Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoy our podcast as well as today's episode. Patrick Fundaro here, co-founder at Visa Franchise and Vetted Biz. Today we have a special guest, Tracy Pines, who was a franchisee of a brand for nearly 15 years and then bought the whole system and is now the franchisor acting as a CEO and owner of Just Between Friends, also known as, as JBF. So Tracy, thanks for joining today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Patrick. So what first attracted you to the Just Between Friends brand and particularly the clothing resale market that now is, is super hot, but 15 years back was kind of in its early innings? Yeah, so my journey with Just Between Friends began in 2008. And at that time, my own children were eight and 11. They're now 23 and 26. So, you know, as you know, as a parent yourself, kids grow fast. And so I found myself in the, the spot that most parents are in where they're constantly outgrowing their stuff or as they got a little bit older past those toddler years, out loving those items that still had a lot of life in them. And at that time, although I was working in corporate America, my background is in sales and marketing. My husband and I had invested in a, another franchise brand in 1999 when I was expecting my first child. And so that's kind of where I caught the franchising bug. Um, we owned a company called Cookies by Design, and my husband and I ran that together until um, my background, I'm a builder, right? And so I, I like to build things up and then move on to the next challenge. And so we built up our cookie business. Uh, we had no experience. We, we didn't bake. We didn't do any of the things that you would think were necessary for success. But somehow we found success in that arena. And uh, I had an opportunity to go back into consumer marketing um, for a company that manufactured cookie cutters. And so I was like, well, this is a perfect fit. Um, we could continue to own and operate our cookie business and I could go into consumer marketing. And I went back into the corporate world. And I always really missed that entrepreneurial aspect of what we did with the franchise system. Although I was involved as a spouse, it wasn't really the same. And my husband received a, an update, weekly update from the International Franchise Association about a emerging brand called Just Between Friends. And he said, this is something that I think you would really like. Um, because at that time in 2008, JBF was being marketed as a part-time mompreneur opportunity and it was seasonal. And so I'm like, hmm, that sounds really interesting. And then a couple of days later, there was a segment on Good Morning America about Just Between Friends. And so sometimes we're tapped, sometimes we're pushed. And I was like, hmm, I think I should look into this. And we did. And there were no franchise locations in the state of Pennsylvania. I had never been to a consignment sales event. I had frankly never consigned any of my kids' items. I took them like a lot of people do to Goodwill or gave it to my neighbors or my sisters or, you know, things like that. I just frankly wanted the stuff out of my house. Um, and so the more I thought about it, I thought this really solves a problem, you know, and as a sales and marketing professional, that's what we do, right? We, we seek to solve consumer problems, just a little bit more research. And I was probably like the fastest franchisee ever to sign on the dotted line because it just made so much sense to me. 
Um, and it, it gave me the opportunity to jump back into franchising without being full time because our model is seasonal. It doesn't require bricks and mortar. You know, it was just a really easy decision at that time. And I've since gone on. Um, I had one unit and then two units. I also had a business partner at that time. And so she was able to be kind of the forward facing part of the brand for a number of years. And we were able to navigate that pretty successfully until our business started to really take a, a very upward growth, which is what we all want as uh, franchisees is to, to have that exponential growth. Um, but she was more aligned with that seasonal part-time mompreneur. And I was like, let's go, we're all in. And so it was really a good opportunity for us to go our separate directions. Um, I was able to leave my full-time corporate job. This was in 2015. Um, she was able to exit. We're still great friends. And so that part of the relationship remained intact. And so I doubled down on Just Between Friends and bought two additional units. So um, at one time we had four territories in Southeastern Pennsylvania. And that was really how my journey into JBF began. So 2008, you started as a kind of a side hustle. Um, right. You, you had your full-time job and then you're growing the business over a seven-year period. Tell me, I guess, a little bit about just this space and uh, the clothing consignment event space. I don't know know so much about it, but studying a little bit prior to, to our conversation today, it seems like there is that product market fit and it wouldn't be that difficult to to kind of facilitate that connection. Yeah. I mean, what we do just makes so much sense because, you know, as I mentioned, kids grow fast and they're always outgrowing their their clothing, their toys, books, games, puzzles, all the things. And when the company was started in 1997, it was just really two moms who had a desire to outfit their children well so that they would be dressed in their Sunday best for church. And um, they, they didn't have the resources in order to go to a department store and to buy those things. And yeah. so um, they had a need and then they found that other moms had a need. And so they literally, our company was started in their living room where the silver road drawer was used as a cash drawer and their garage <laughs> and became um, their, their showroom. So, I mean, it really in the beginning was kind of an ups scale garage sale. Um, we've since evolved uh, quite a bit from, from those humble beginnings. But the, the general concept and the premise has remained the same, is that we exist to help families say yes. You know, it's families who want to say yes to name brand items for their, their kids. Um, they want to be able to say yes to quality and to safety checked items and things like that. And as a resale market, it's expected to double by 2027. The resale market is expected to hit $350 billion. In 2022, overall, the market was up 28%. We were right in line with that at Just Between Friends. We ended the year up 26%. So we really rebounded from, from COVID, which affected our industry hard and not necessarily resale, but the model of Just Between Friends, because wow. we're event-based, it was it was difficult. You know, we're an event-based business where we don't have a traditional brick and mortar. Um, we are in and out of large expo centers or sports complexes, things that during COVID were completely shut down. So we had to pivot to essential retail, but 
we were able to do that successfully and then come back and come back into an economy where there's you know shortages of everything people supply yeah. chain issues as well as recessionary times and rising prices where people are like wait this really makes sense you know why do i want to go out and buy all new things for my two-year-old who's outgrowing them every four months right you know yourself having a two-year-old that that's really not smart. piece by piece is okay but like that up absolutely yeah. And, and families who shop our events, they can clothe and entertain their kids for the entire season for $100. So our events happen traditionally twice a year. Um, again, during COVID, we learned that we didn't have to limit ourselves to two times a year. So many of our franchisees are now doing three, or we even have one franchisee that did five events last year in one territory. Uh, so that was kind of the upside of a challenging situation during COVID. Tell me the, the seasonality of the business. Like when is, when is like the one big marquee event? Some franchisees are doing more, but like when's like the best month to, to hold the event? And what does that event look like? Yeah, so our events, um, our franchisees have a minimum of two events a year. And so based on seasonality, so it's spring, summer, which typically for most of our um, locations is anywhere between March and like late May is, okay. is when those typically happen. Although we do have some, depending upon the climate, like in Florida or Arizona, some of those franchisees will have their events in February. If you're where I am in Pennsylvania, you know, typically those can go into late May. Uh, but that's the window for the, the spring summer sales. And then our fall winter events, um, those typically take place between August and October. And we've started to layer in some additional events for back to school as well as holiday because we find, again, parents have, they're spending a lot of money on this stuff that they can use backpacks or, you know, school supplies, things like that, in addition to clothing and shoes. But you asked about what an event looks like. It really varies because we don't own our venues. Um, we're renting large spaces for a really concentrated period of time. It's typically a week. Um, and our minimum square footage requirement is 10,000 square feet. And then some of our larger events are up to 80 to 100,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. So think of it as a really large department store. Um, everything is organized by size, by gender, by category. So parents can not only save money, they're saving anywhere between 50 to 90% on things that their kiddos need or want, but they're also saving time because they're able to get it all done. One in shot. One spot. Yep. One-stop shopping for everything <laughs> that they need. I can relate to that. Yeah. Cause my wife, my, I say me and my wife, but mostly my wife, it's like every week there's something that we're buying where if it's just like all packaged together every six months, it'd probably just be easier for everyone and save a lot of money. Absolutely. So it's consignment. So say I have some lightly used two-year-old shoes, I could work with a local franchisee in the Just Between Friends market. And if the shoes sell, I make some money, but if they don't, I get them back. How, do, how does that work? Yeah, it's a win-win. And so as a parent, um, you're able to gather up your items at home and we have an online barcoding system 
where parents determine their own price. So you decide what you want for those shoes or clothes or whatever it is that you have, um, and then drop the items off at our events. So the owner operator is responsible for securing the venue, for staffing the event, for doing all the advertising, marketing, and logistics of the sale. And as a consigner, you're able to drop those items off and then earn a percentage. So our consigners earn anywhere between 60 and 70% of the items that they sell. So compared to a brick and mortar consignment store, um, the percentage of payout is much higher because we don't have the overhead expense of a venue year round. As an operator, we also don't have the added expense of inventory. All of our inventory is coming to us from the parents. And so that's also a real benefit of our model. And it really brings people together. You know, it's parents helping parents. And so one parent is is done with an item. And so then another parent is able to find value in it. Um, and as a result of that, you know, people working together over $27 million from Just Between Friends sales last year alone in 2022 stayed in the local community. And so hmm. those are parents that are able to then use that money for dance lessons for their kids, or they could go to Disney or pay a mortgage or a car payment. You know, we, we have all kinds of needs for our parents. And so they're able to, just like they can say yes to clothing and shoes for their kids, they can also say yes to some essential items that they need just to support their family. So I was going to ask, I don't know if you can share, but like you said, 27 million stays in the local area. Like what's a successful event? Like how many uh, products move? Like, is it a hundred K 50 K like what marks kind of success? And I know it's going to depend on the logistic costs, et cetera. Yeah, it really depends on the market. You know, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, I'm a former franchisee. And so when I was a franchisee, I ran the number one and number two locations in the country. And so that number one location, uh, we brought in for a one week sale over 400,000 items. And when I say we, that was not. 400,000. That's absurd. That yeah. was, yeah. It's a significant amount of inventory that all comes in in basically a 12-hour time frame. Um, it's people, it's a well-oiled machine. People are bringing their items in and then putting them out on the sales floor. And then we open up to the public for five days and then we're gone. Uh, <laughs> so they're, you know, it's like little ants, like running through the building to, to put everything in and out. Um, so that's, it's really a sight to see and to watch. But of those three to 400,000 items will sell anywhere from 80 to 90% of them during the course of the sale. Because people know in our local communities, there's a great sense of urgency. Like if you don't get to the Just Between Friends sale during this window of time, you miss out oh. on that opportunity. There's just a, a lot of anticipation about the events um, and it really creates the culture. That's the secret sauce with Just Between Friends is that it's those parents helping parents and we're the bridge. You know, we have sellers who have things they no longer need. We have shoppers who want to buy things and we just bring them together in a way that's really organized and it's fun. It's, you know, people really enjoy participating in the sales. Do you have any locations in South Florida? We do have a few locations in South Florida. Um, we have uh, Greater Palm Beach. We're just about to sell South Broward. So okay. that's not uh, so far from me. It's like, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely have to check it out. Keep me posted. For sure. For sure. And how does it work in terms of like the software? Because managing 400,000 products moving in a five-day period, like 
I imagine without like proper software and you mentioned some of the processes, like it just becomes like a, a nightmare. Well, I think that's one of the benefits, obviously, of being a part of a franchise system is that uh, we have a proprietary technology system. So it's really easy for our, our consigners to be able to just gather up their items and load them into an online system. So it's web-based where they can enter in their items, decide the price, and then print out their tags. Everything has a barcode. So there's inventory tracking throughout the event. Uh, they're able to go online, see what sold, see what didn't sell. And it's really satisfying and rewarding when you're sitting at home and you're seeing all your items and you're making money. People will say it's similar to like checking the lottery to see what sold <laughs> that particular day. We are, I think probably a lot of the brands that you talk to and franchisees, you know, technology, it's, it's a huge part of our business. I mean, we are a technology company in many ways, and we have to make our systems easy because our demographic, these are busy moms and dads who are raising children. And this is just one more thing for them to do. Um, so we, we certainly need to make it um, as user-friendly as possible. We're in the middle of a huge technology upgrade right now, um, which is slowly rolling out, not as fast as we would like, um, but I think that- Always like that. Yeah, it's always like that, right? Um, but we're getting there. And so the goal is to make it as easy as possible so that parents can find new life for their items and also not only do well for their, their pocketbook, but do well for the planet. You know, we, we want to keep those items out of landfills. And that's been a big message in our marketing in general is just sustainability an average event, um, that 300,000 items that I mentioned, you know, that's an extreme. That's the, the largest event in the country. But on average, we rehome um, over 20,000 items at each sale, keeping them out of landfills. Um, and so that messaging particularly resonates right now with, you know, the millennial moms and um, all of all the folks who recognize that there is a better way um, to clothe and entertain their children. And saying local, like what happens at Goodwill? Like they collect your clothes and I imagine like it goes like across the country or even to another country. Like I can't imagine like, well, maybe some is sold at like one of their local stores, but the excess inventory, I, I could just imagine like a big waste of gas. Right. Um, and that that's another component because at the conclusion of the event, for as much as we sell, there's still a, a lot of items that are unsold at the conclusion of the event. So our sellers have the option of picking up those items and again, being better luck next year. <laughs> right, right. They, they do have the opportunity. They can sell at any Just Between Friends throughout the country without having to retag those items. That's like nice. all the work is essentially done or they have an option of donating. And so in 2022, we donated over $7 million of in-kind donations to local charities that support women and families and a lot of foster children, um, over 200 charity partners our franchisees have throughout the country. And so again, that's keeping those donations out of landfills as well. And it they are in our local communities. So they have to benefit a local charity. Um, and so our franchisees really take a lot of just pride in that fact that they're helping their local community because our franchisees 
live in their communities. This is an owner operator model where they're required to live within a 30 mile radius of their venue. And so it's not, although sometimes people will be like, do you travel from, from city to city? We're like, no, we actually live here in this community. So that's a big part of our story is that- Word of mouth must be huge for your business model. Word of mouth is our best form of advertising um, because it's moms telling moms about, hey, I, you know, I, I just found this resource called Just Between Friends. And like all brands, we invest a lot of time and resources on things like social media and paid advertising. But at the end of the day, it's people telling people about their experience at the event that really has perpetuated our growth. And how many current franchisees do you have in the system? We have 153 locations in 33 states. Um, We are only at, at this time domestic locations, but we have a pretty measured approach to growth. Uh, one of the things that makes our growth, uh, I think, a little slower than than other brands is that venue size. We need to have access to our franchisees rather need to have access to a, a ten thousand square foot venue as a minimum because that's what we found for them to have the success right. that they need to have. Uh, so sometimes that limits our ability to go into certain markets. Um, but our goal for this year is twelve new units. We're we're right on track at the midway point of the year and um, opening up in some new states as well. And of those 12, like how many do you think will come from current franchisees versus new franchisees? Yeah, a lot of our growth is organic. Um, and so many of our, about 25% of our owners are multi-unit franchise owners. Again, I, I think that that's a little bit more challenging for a model like Just Between Friends as well, because we're so concentrated in a certain period of time, like that window of of March to May is there's only so many weekends um, in a year. At my peak, when we were doing four territories, um, it was challenging. You know, it was going back to back to back. Um, And so this business is, you are all in for that week. It's March to May. It's like, there must be like uh, Christmas lighting businesses or some, some businesses that are also seasonal on the, more on the winter side and fall side. Right, right. Yeah, like a Mosquito Joe's or something like that. Really? Similar, But it's it's all in during that period of time. And But then you have the benefit of having the off-season to be able to plan and to set your own schedule. And that, I think, is particularly appealing to our avatar, which is, in most cases, it's a female who has stepped out of the workplace uh, from a corporate job um, to stay home with children for a certain period of time, not exclusively, but, you know, about 98% of our owners are female, but want more and have the capacity to do more. And so this model really enables them to have that flexibility where they can continue to use their skills and their talents in a way that really benefits their community, um, provides income and resources for their family, but they're also able to be present for their children. Um, And so that's what we found to be is kind of the sweet spot with our franchisees. And what's the startup costs look like for for one location? For one location, we estimate in our FTD that the initial investment is between sixty dollars and $90,000. So it is on on the lower end of a lot of franchise businesses. 
because of the model not having a permanent lease location. You know, we don't own our own inventory. And although we do need a lot of employees during the week of the sale, for the most part, our franchisees are solopreneurs and then have just a, a limited staff like admin and things like that during the off season. And how are they sourcing that staff for the, the week of the event? Is it like a staffing agency or is that also word of mouth? A lot of it is word of mouth and a lot of it is the sellers. So the sellers themselves will help at, at the sale um, in order to either earn an extra commission on the items they sell or is this, again, a part-time seasonal opportunity where they can earn you know, a paycheck for working at the sale. Um, a lot of our sellers also have an added benefit of being able to shop early. That's a huge perk um, so that they can get dibs on the best stuff. So I would say, you know, most of the, the help that we have is really coming from our existing base of shoppers and sellers. Although I have in, in my franchisee career, we've used staffing agencies, friends, family, because it really requires a small army uh, to get it all done, to move in and out of that venue as quickly as possible. So Tracy, as we mentioned earlier, or as you mentioned, I should say earlier in our conversation, the, the resale market's gonna grow, what was that 100% till 2027? So it's gonna double. Yeah, it's expected to grow um, by twenty by twenty twenty seven to a three hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. So you've clearly ridden that wave. What other initiatives since you you took over the business have you implemented, or are you excited to to implement to further grow the business beyond just the industry trends? Well, I would say um, since I I bought the company is we've really doubled down on what we do well, which is culture. And so we took the opportunity in January. I bought the company in December of 2022, and we have an annual conference in January of 2023. And so that was really our opportunity to just clarify our our vision, mission, and core values. We run on traction, um, so we're operating under EOS, which is a perfect framework for a small business like ours. We just really looked at, you know, what is it that makes franchisees successful and identified five principles. Um, and so through all of our, our training, our education, we've, we've really just doubled down on those things. This is a simple business concept. It's, you know, again, it's, we have kids that are growing, we have parents who have stuff, we have people who want to buy it, and how do we bring those groups together? And so we've used this transition to really develop a, a cadence of communication where every single week there's some sort of training for our operators. It's either marketing, operations, or finance. Um, and then we've got mastermind groups and goal groups and, and things, because although our business model is seasonal, we know that our business it doesn't grow unless our owners are growing. And so we're, we're providing them with the tools and the resources necessary in order to not only grow their business, but to grow themselves as leaders. Um, so I think that's been the biggest shift or a really priority initiative that we've had since the company was sold. Because I was a franchisee, I, I was very familiar with the challenges that we were facing, as well as the opportunities. Um, and so that's been a really positive thing is that I don't think we've skipped a beat since the transition from the founder the, who you know started this company in her living room to where we are today. 
Do any of the multi-unit franchisees have EOS scaling up or a similar type of like operating system? We actually trained all of our franchise owners on EOS. So everybody has rocks. Everybody has uh, the, the cadence of communications with their meetings. We run all of our meetings on EOS. Um, so if you're familiar with how the 90 software walks you through the, the segue, the issues, all of those things. Yes. Um, I just had my quarterly meeting today with the leadership team. We okay. do like, it's like almost like scaling up. We, we took what we really like about EOS and then we started doing uh, scaling up. But yeah, they're very similar, the two systems. I love it. And and we we love EOS and we we have a hybrid approach for some things too. We'll we'll use EOS and then we've also incorporated uh, a concept called success statements where we're really defining what winning looks like for a role, a project, or a meeting. During our conference this past year, that was really the focus was how franchisees can utilize these same tools in their day-to-day business practices. So it's helped us, back to that culture piece, language creates culture. And so we've had this common language of EOS, core values, vision, vision, mission, and the direction of the company. That's been a really positive thing. And how did you go about, like, some of them have been with Just Between Friends since Shannon founded the company, and then you, as well as other franchisees over the last 15 years since you joined, have, have influenced that. Was there a franchise advisory council, or how did you like determine, okay, like this is our core values, let's narrow it down to these, or how did you go about kind of redefining, according to the EOS system, kind of those key areas of your business? I think I'm curious by nature. And so as as we got the the actual sale of the business was a two-year process. Um, and I was really the only one that knew what was going on other than, of course, the founder herself. Um, so I, I was just during that time is just writing notes and, you know, keeping track of things. I had a running list on my phone when people would say, we figure things out or we're better together. Those are two of our core values. <laughs> uh, but every time I heard those things, it was like a tick mark. You know, it was just like, oh, oh there we go again. We, we keep saying that we keep. And so just really listening. Yeah. What our franchisees were saying, because as you know, you know, core values, it's not what we say, but it's actually who we are. Yes. And so when it came time to really determine, okay, what are our core values? Because we had core values before. The problem was that they weren't sticky. Nobody could remember them. They were like sitting in a Google doc that perhaps we didn't know where we had access to them or it was printed on a t-shirt at one time, but we never really incorporated into that regular cadence of communication, the weekly L10 into just basically everything that we were doing. Um, And so in January, our leadership team just we reviewed, you know, all of these notes that I had been taking that they had also been taking. And as a group, we collectively decided what those would be, our four core values, and we redefined our mission as well. And then we rolled it out at our annual conference. And I would have to say, you know, there was a little bit of like, oh, I don't know how are people going to react to this because there was a lot going on at the time, but it was a home run. I mean, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that well, you're listening sense. to them for like two years. Right. And, and so and I think that that came through. It was like, oh, yeah, that that is <laughs> it was easy to give examples. Of, it wasn't just like Tracy in the cabin for a weekend thinking about exactly. what things are. Exactly. So it seems like the just between friends business model is pretty adapted where you said there's maybe some 
some women that had a, a grueling career then have taken some time off to take care of their, their children and are able to work part-time in Just Between Friends, especially during that set. And then, like yourself, able to transition to a full-time and opening up additional territories. Of the 25% multi-unit operators, is that kind of the, the typical evolution where they started as part-time and then went to full-time? Or did you have any that went right all in? We've had both. Um, I, I think it's it's more typical that a, an owner will buy one territory, and then as that kind of grows and explodes, um, they they buy another territory. But we ha- are really at this point changing our avatar because what we what we know to be true is that for full time results, it does require full time commitment. Um, and although this business does only take place in person two or three times a year. There's a lot of coordination. There's just the logistics of planning a large scale event is all encompassing, especially if you want it to be on a grand scale where you're attracting thousands of sellers and you know hundreds of thousands of shoppers on a regular basis. So um, that's something that we've been working on as a leadership team to really redefine what our expectations are for ownership in Just Between Friends. I think we'll see that continue to evolve as people are exiting the corporate world and looking for alternatives because as we've discussed, the resale market is growing. Um, this is a great concept. I, I mean, I believe in the concept so much that I bought the company um, that I, I just think that we will see more and more of the multi-unit owners and people learning how to scale their business because it's possible. You know, that's what I found in my business. Um, I worked with a group of owners before I bought the company. Uh, I've worked with 28 owners just doing consulting on, okay, if if you want to grow your business in this way, this is what I know to be true. And so uh, I did that for four years. And that also gave some proof of concept as to these are the tools, these are the strategies that we need to employ throughout the entire system if we want to grow. And so far, that's working out. It sounds like it. And um, I really look forward to, to following your continued success. And just as a conclusion, any thoughts for prospective franchisees, someone that has a corporate job that might want to be getting into entrepreneurship, any tips for them? I think the biggest tip is just to raise your hand. You know, I think so often, especially as women, we're led maybe down a more traditional path. I grew up, I was the oldest of three girls, and I saw my dad work in a very uh, corporate environment for 40 years. We moved 13 times before I graduated from high school because we were always used with the same company, but we were always, you know, that was the path. That was if you wanted to be promoted, you had to go where the next opportunity was. And I think one of the things, particularly my husband and I being in business together, uh, we support each other well in that aspect of, you know, you just have to go for it. And you don't always have all the answers. But being a part of a franchise system, you have the resources and the support necessary to be successful. And so I think I found through my own experience is that if if you don't raise your hand, someone else may. And that's what I found myself in in buying the company is I was watching the way the company was growing and really the excitement and the energy of our owners. And so I just said to the founder, if you're ever interested in selling your business, I'd be interested in talking to you. And not until we were about a year into the process did she tell me that 
a mentor of hers recommended that at all times you need to have three people in your back pocket who you would sell the company to. Wow. And I was one of those three people, although I didn't know that at the time. But had I not raised my hand, I, I don't know if we would be having this conversation today. So I would just encourage people to take calculated risks. And uh, franchising is a great way to do that because as we all say all the time, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And I think that's so true. Yeah. And you're one of the few guests to also open up in terms of going into partnership with your spouse and kind of that family dynamic. And I, I don't think that should be underestimated. And one thing I've heard from franchisees where it hasn't gone well is they didn't include their spouse in the decision-making of investing in a franchise. And all of a sudden they hit a rocky patch and guess what? The Your, your husband, your wife isn't so pumped and you weren't really communicating all that this opportunity was going to entail. And that for a two month period, times might be tough as you uh, scale up that business and push for that big event such as with JBF. Yeah, in this business, it is absolutely critical that you have a strong support system, whether that's a spouse or a family member, yeah. uh, because so many of our owners are also parents to be able to continue to provide well for the children when you know, you're know you all in at your, your event. Um, my husband and I have always had that relationship starting back to our days at Cookies by Design. It, we, we've always worked with each other and for each other. And kind of an ironic part of this story is he's now the franchisee. So uh, when I bought the company, I had to divest of my my franchise locations. And so we sold two of them. And then the two top performing in the company, he now owns them. So he's one of our cool. few male owners. Um, and so he's learning just as I'm learning to be the franchisor. He's learning to be the franchisee with, with Just Between Friends. And uh, that is going well. And um, we have a lot of interesting dinner conversations and <laughs> a lot of things that he's learning around. And he also gives me great feedback. Um, and so I, I take that as I do all of the feedback and, and try to incorporate that. But it's, so far, that's been working out really well. One of only five stories I've heard of where the franchisee buys the franchise system, and it's got to be the only one in the globe where there's a husband and wife franchisor franchisee. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'll tell him that. He'll appreciate <laughs> that he is one and only. Tracy, what's the best way for a prospective franchisee, someone that's interested in the JBF brand, to, to get in touch with you or a member from your team? Yeah, absolutely. Love to chat with anybody. The best way is from our website, which is just jbfsale.com. So there you have the website. Anyone that's interested, Tracy, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Patrick. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast episode. If you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.